Today's episode of Section 422 is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. These guys are barrels of fun. And then I just went like total like George Brett Pine Tar. This is section 422. Welcome to the Section 422 Podcast, episode number 55. Derek Van Riper here with Will Salmon. On this episode, we will discuss the various reports about the potential shape of the 2020 baseball season. It is a frequent question on the minds of many people out there listening. Uh, In our current normal day-to-day state, I spent the weekend uh, on Zoom calls with some family and friends, and and that was one of the questions they had for me. It was, what's going to happen to baseball season? And uh, it's something that we've all been wondering about, so we'll take a look at some of the scenarios that have been thrown out. And we'll talk about where the season would be right now if it were happening the way it was supposed to happen. Uh, Will, how are things going for you on this Monday? I'm like you, Derek. I feel like every single time I get into sort of a a deep phone conversation or a text exchange, it always kind of comes back to the question of, will there be baseball season? And it's (laughs) like one of those questions that it's like, dude, I I don't know. I'm, I'm in no position to answer that. And then like the next reply is always something along the lines of, well, what do you think? What do you, what do you think will happen though? And it's like, dude, I just told you, I, I don't know. And I don't think anybody knows. And that's really what the issue is here. And you can really feel it in the way, I guess, the initial reports about some ideas for how the season could be played, how those came out a few weeks ago and how there really hasn't been a lot since then about the specifics of what the schedule would look like, what the locations would be. Uh, but we'll talk about that on this episode. I just want to start, though, with something that feels more normal to me now, and it never would have felt normal to me before. Uh, There are multiple simulations going on. You wrote about an out-of-the-park baseball simulation of the 2020 Brewers season that you did a few weeks ago. So you went through an entire season going that route. And out-of-the-park is the engine for a simulation that Baseball Reference has been running day by day this season. And what they do is... Uh, Each day around noon Eastern, they actually simulate all the games that were on the schedule for that day. So on a day like today, we're recording on Monday, April 20th. If this were the season as planned, today would have been an off day. So there's no Brewers game in the sim today. Uh, They would likely be spending the day in Pittsburgh following a three-game weekend series in New York with the Mets. And that would be before a three-game series at PNC Park beginning tomorrow on Tuesday Uh, and then a three-game series in Colorado this weekend. So a nine-game road trip is something the Brewers would have been in the middle of right now. And I checked in on the baseball reference reference simulation. It got a little attention uh, because Freddie Peralta had an awesome start. He had a 17-strikeout no-hitter a little over a week ago, or within the last week now, in the sim. So that had people who were following along pretty excited because I think you know many of us who follow this team are wondering what he might become as a starting pitcher. At this point in the season, though, the Brewers have played 22 games in the simulation. They're 12-10. and 10. They're a game and a half back at the Cardinals in the NL Central. And a few things 
are kind of the way you'd expect them to be. Christian Yelich is laying the foundation for another MVP caliber season. He's hitting 312. He's got a 368 OBP, slugging 623. He's got seven homers and six stolen bases in 22 games, which is just a blistering pace. Most of the starting lineup, though, is slumping. And the strangest thing of all to me is I was looking at the statistical breakdowns. That's one of the cool things about this sim at Baseball Reference. You can actually look at the individual stats as though they're real. Uh, And that's one of the the go-to sites that I use the most. Ryan Braun has only started three games so far. He's working mostly off the bench with Avisail Garcia handling the starting role in right field and Justin Smoke getting the bulk of the playing time at first base. Now, in the limited chances he's played, Braun has hit the way we expect Braun to hit. So that was one of the things that really kind of caught my eye. The, the offense, though, as a whole, not really producing is pretty different than my experiences uh, playing a simulation of this season so far, where Luis Urias, once healthy, has been hitting a lot, and Omar Narvaez has been on fire in the simulation that I've run. So as you went through your simulation a couple weeks ago, you know there were some things that stood out to you. I think it's just kind of fun to see box scores and stats, Will. I think that's just one of the things I miss the most. Uh, obviously, I miss the actual games themselves, but waking up each day and being able to comb through those stats is something that I usually look forward to every morning. Yeah, I do the same. What I'm really interested in was how was Freddie's slider that day, that 17 strikeout no hitter. <laughs> I wonder about that bite on that slider. That, that's really the big question. But yeah, man, it's it's funny because Tim Britton, who covers the Mets for The Athletic, did a fun story on, on his own spin on the simulations type of story. And his deal was he simmed, I believe it was 10 seasons of the 2020 Mets. And he sort of looked for some common threads and some themes. And that's kind of like what we're talking about now is if, if any of this sort of materializes or is this kind of like a sign of like maybe some some problems or some good things on the horizon for the Brewers and, and who knows, right? But uh, it is kind of funny how the amount of times you can kind of sim something and the same things kind of happen. And so a couple of things that you mentioned for me was one, Yelich, of course, gets off to a hot start. And as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, it would be kind of funny if you went like 0 for 25 to start one sim and people are like what in the world (laughs) because that happens sometimes you know it's pretty rare but you know a star does come out of april and and struggle um so it wouldn't be completely out of the realm of possibility there but it just never seems to happen that way in a simulation so there are things that are just going to happen because that's the most likely outcome of course but some are more realistic than others and i feel like one is kind of like the bronze situation at first base i think that's one of the one that is more interesting because you do have the option of smoke and they brought smoke in for a reason. They think that he can rebound off of the results from last year, which were not good, but everything else was sort of in place. We've talked about it before is what his uh, advanced statistics kind of indicate was that there, there was more to it uh, than just a bad season. There was some bad luck involved as well, probably. In addition to, of course, their struggles against the shift, as everybody who's listening to this podcast probably knows. But he's here for a reason in Milwaukee, and you would think that he's going to get some, I don't want to say the bulk of the time there at first base, but a good amount of it. And I think it really all depends on who starts off hot, and then they play the hot hand, and who's struggling. And as we know, Derek, injuries are going to happen too, and that and that will 
kind of open doors one way or the other for a guy for, uh, in regards to playing time. So a lot of interesting things that you could kind of build in your own mind as far as outcomes and trends and statistics. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm like you. I, I used to go, <laughs> I say used to, I hope to do it very soon, but I'm used to going to say like ESPN or, or Yahoo years ago. Now it's ESPN for me. That's my place for box scores for whatever reason. It's really just random. That's just what I'm used to, but I, I like doing that. And I haven't really done it as far as the simulation stuff goes, but I do understand how that could provide some sort of, some sort of a, I don't know, a relief or just go back to like what you're used to, even if you just do it for like a day or two. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing with, with out of the park, the program itself, which it's buying a computer game. It's, you know, 20, 25 bucks. It's pretty reasonably priced. If, you know, if you got a little extra money and you got a lot of extra time, even if you don't have a lot of extra time, you can sit down for an hour and you can play a week or a month. You can kind of simulate the game as fast as you want to and, and be as hands-on as you want to managing lineups, uh, simming half innings at a time, making pitching changes if you want to, or you can just run entire games and let AI Craig Council manage your team, which probably isn't a bad idea. I imagine AI Craig Council is probably pretty good. Uh, but I think what simulations have been doing for me, and we have one that we've been running as a group, uh, it's the Athletic, it's the TAAU. I don't even know what the the second A stands for the the athletic alternative universe. I think is what we decided to call the league, and it's a really cool idea because it's thirty teams, each managed by staffers of the athletic. So that one's going along kind of one week every few days. You know, we get a report, the games run, we make changes, we're able to make trades. Uh, in that one, I'm I'm running the San Diego Padres. You're at the controls for the Brewers. I'm just kind of curious, how are the Brewers doing in that sim? Terribly. <laughs> it's it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's the worst one I've seen, actually, to be completely frank with everyone. It's really bad. It's I think I think the Brewers are about eight or nine games below five hundred, approaching almost double figures in games back out of first, and it's not even <laughs> the end of April or something like that. It's pretty it's it's horrible. And I'm gonna probably have to make some trades or, or do something. I gotta look. Uh, the offense, because it, it's funny that you mentioned how like some, certain guys were hitting in your simulation and, and in the baseball reference one. I think like Narvaez, for example, is, is somebody that usually if you run a simulation on the Brewers, his, his offensive numbers are going to be pretty good because he's, he's a good hitter, right? So that makes sense. He's going to do some things. And this one, not so much. And And I feel like when guys like – and this is probably a statement that could – be relayed to the Brewers in reality and in real baseball when it resumes, you're going to need the production of a Narvaez, Garcia, and to some degree smoke in order to have a successful season. Like Yelich is only going to be able to take you so far, I feel like. And the same thing with Keston. He's going to do his thing. Um, Lorenzo Cain, he's, by all accounts, I feel like many of you, like your smart, Baseball fans or smart writers point to some sort of comeback season for him. But even so, like you're still going to need the Narvaez and, Gar- and Garcia to, to carry their share of the load here. Uh, because there was, those are the guys who are at those years of their career where they're, sh- where they should be able to provide, if not the best season of their career, pretty close to it. And so if they hit accordingly, you have a pretty good offense, a pretty good dynamic lineup there. But if they don't, you're pretty top heavy 
and there just isn't a whole lot of help. And that's what we're seeing in this simulation. Yeah, and if you look at the key pieces from last year's offense who are no longer a part of the organization, that, of course, is Yasmani Grandal and Mike Boustakis, and I think you can put Eric Thames in that group. You are you're essentially replacing them with Narvaez and Smoke and Luis Urias. And I realize there are other players involved in Eric Sogar, Jerko Platoon that we've talked about before. Uh, those those are part of the exchange as well. But just the bigger picture, you need a few guys to step up. And that, that's part of the way you can get there. The three for three that I described, that might not be an even balance in production. But if you get, get more mileage out of Keston Hero than expected, if you do get that bounce back from Lorenzo Kane, uh, that could be pretty big. Uh, I've been going game by game in a simulation of my own, 47 games in, I'm 24 and 23. And that's with me playing the role of both David Stearns and Craig Council. And it's exhausting to uh, to be responsible for for both the in-game management and, uh, and the rosters themselves. And uh, one last thing on The Sims, I, I like some of the random stuff it does. It actually is pretty realistic about throwing you day-to-day injuries, about just unexpected stuff that that does happen in a season. Like I just had a series with the Reds and Anthony Descalfani hit Keston here with a pitch and there was a bench clearing brawl. So here I got suspended four games in my sim and Descalfani got eight. If that makes anyone out there feel better. Uh, but that's this random stuff that you, you can't predict, right? You just, you don't know what's going to happen and having to problem solve that has been actually a lot of fun and it has Help me fill the void of, of baseball not being there. Uh, I've been doing a good job so far, Will, of not going too far into the Brewers Classics because I feel like I'm going to need them later. Like I, I don't, I don't think we're close enough to things getting back on track to where baseball's just around the corner quite yet. And I think the the longer that we're stuck being at home and and just limited in what we're able to do, the more desperate we're all going to become for various uh, forms of escape. So uh, I'll probably dive a lot into the, the 80s Brewers as the calendar flips to May because I'm still riding the high of the uh, simulation stuff being fresh and new to me. And I, some people are going to be the opposite. Some people have been binging on the classics and they're going to need something else in May. So I would recommend Out of the Park as uh, one way to really scratch the itch. Spoiler alert for your out-of-the-park simulation on the Brewers. For those listening, Derek's doing one with the Padres for the athletic group, but also he's doing one in his spare time with the Brewers. But one spoiler alert for your Brewers one is David Phelps is going to have an elbow injury. Just letting you know. I have yet to see a simulation from out-of-the-park involving the Brewers that does not include an elbow injury of some kind for David Phelps, which is super unfortunate because I'm a, I'm actually I'm a David Phelps sort of mark here where, you know, I grew up in New York, of course, as people kind of know now listening to the podcast. And so familiar with David Phelps, uh, I think he talk about guys who are going or using probably the extra couple of months here for rest. He's a prime candidate for that coming off of um, elbow surgery a couple of years ago. But I mean, his velocity was there. And I, I believe that he was he's in line for a pretty solid season as far as production goes. If you look at his velocity being up to 94, which is usually a good indication that number of things being right back where they're supposed to be especially for a guy off of surgery who was kind of hitting that prior to but yeah man uh spoiler alert there he's he's going to get hurt that's just gonna happen so i hope you have like i don't know williams or fire or somebody ready in the wings there for you 
Yeah, I've I've got the depth healthy so far behind him. I think he may have had a quick ten day stint or a fifteen day stint on the IL already, and uh, he's been he's been able to pitch well so far. He's actually got the second lowest ERA on my roster right now in the sim, um, whereas Peralta and Burns have been excellent in that baseball reference simulation I was talking about. They have both struggled. I've been using Burns as a starter and Peralta as more of a multi-inning setup guy, almost like a right-handed Josh Hader. And aside from the fact that the game gives you morale ratings on players and, and Freddie Peralta is, is unhappy in the bullpen in the sim. <laughs> That's as unrealistic as it gets, man. Yeah, he seems like a pretty happy guy all the time. So I, um, I, <laughs> I kind of took a little issue with that. Uh, his personality description is to call Peralta a perfectionist is an understatement. Is that is that who he is? Having you've been around him a bit, like is, is he is he a perfectionist? He cares. That's that's for certain. I see him a lot of times jotting down notes and whatnot at his locker. So yeah, man, I could I could probably get in line with that. But the the morale problem that you're experiencing there is probably not something that Craig Council encounters too often with Freddie Peralta, regardless of where he has him, because that's exactly what I would do with Burns and Peralta in this make-believe land we're talking about. That's where I, that's the usage that, especially if you like, you don't have Corey Knable available for you yet. That's exactly what I would be doing. Yeah, I just got Knable back, so now it's kind of a, a lefty-righty thing where Hater and Peralta can be 7th, 8th inning as needed. And then I'm planning on running Knable out there to get the last three outs. But I'm going to manage it very situationally. I'm not managing to the save. I'm looking at what part of the lineup am I facing. Am I facing a bunch of lefties? Am I facing a bunch of righties? Um, And again, this is the ultimate baseball fan slash nerd sort of activity. But I fully... Uh, fully support it as a, a good way to enjoy some games. And uh, I sent you a, a screenshot this morning. I simulated a game, and it was absolutely bananas. Like Just the kind of game that you would have to rewrite. If you were writing a game recap story, it would have been rewritten probably four times. Uh, I was trailing. The Brewers were trailing by two going into the eighth inning, put up one in the top of the eighth, one in the top of the ninth, tied at five, took the lead in the 11th, a Christian Yelich home run, I think it was, that gave me the lead. Gave up two runs in the bottom of the 11, so it was tied again. Scored four in the top of the 12th to go up four. Allowed four in the bottom of the 12th and eventually got three more in the top of the 14th to win 14-11. It was just rewrites galore for the for the story and uh, maddening managing that and and not pushing the right buttons and choosing the right pitchers to, uh, to navigate those extra innings. But... Uh, simulations aside, and again, check them out if you're interested. Out of the park baseball, it's a lot of fun. The question that we were getting, you know, what's going to happen this season? The I don't know answer does not satisfy many people in, in my family, especially. So I still give them, I don't know, but here's some things they've talked about. I kind of just relay the things that, that I've read and, and that I've heard. And uh, the three broadest ideas i think that are out there right now at least the three most likely paths path number one is the arizona plan all teams play in arizona uh, even teams that don't normally play there for spring training and they find a way to cram everybody into like mlb's version of the biodome and players are quarantined and either entirely or mostly away from their families all season 
And we've had players, Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw among them, who've really expressed reservations about that. I think Zach Wheeler, a pitcher for the Phillies, has talked about wanting to be back home for the birth of his child later this season. That one seems a little bit far-fetched in its initial proposal. Now, it might be somewhere further down the road at this point. We just haven't heard a lot about it lately. Then there's the Arizona-Florida plan where every team goes to its spring training home. So you have the Florida teams going to Florida, Arizona teams in Arizona. You have this major realignment that would have to occur. And that would be a little more feasible from a pure logistics standpoint of not figuring, having, having to figure out how to get all the players you need just into the facilities that are you know built for half as many teams that would actually be there. Um, so that's kind of an interesting one. But then there's also the idea, and this is probably talked about and written about less teams actually playing at some point in their own home stadiums with those stadiums being empty and that's kind of the most likely path to me because that's what's happening now in the very few places where baseball is being played Um, you know we'll talk about Taiwan and South Korea a little bit in just a few minutes and I know Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich had a story last week on the athletic uh, which you know got into some of the issues that still need to be resolved in a shortened season. Uh, compensation for the players still needs to be figured out. If there's no fans, maybe that that changes some of the negotiations that took place previously. It's messy no matter which of these paths you choose. But would you say at this point, Will, like if, if someone proposed that question to you, what do you think is going to happen this baseball season? Do those three proposals cover the largest range of outcomes? Yeah, I think so, but... And I hate to always attach this caveat to everything, but it really is like nothing, nothing happens until the country has some sort of like timeline for a recovery here. You know, once that becomes clear, then I think sports could take another step. Sports in this country can take another step toward, okay, here's what we're looking to do. Here's what's feasible. Here's what's, here's what makes the most sense. So, I mean, I hate to continue to, to attach that to it, but that's really what the issue is here. Um, that said, of those three things that you listed, I think there are certain layers to them that, that make sense. And then there's some troubleshooting. Uh, TV for me is one of the bigger ones that people say, okay, yeah, wow, TV. But I mean, why in the world are we doing this if not for people to watch it in some, in some way? I mean, that's a, it's a huge source of, of money and that's really what it all comes down to anyway. And so what do you do with, with television? I and mean, what kind of production is there going to be? How many people? Uh, what about like just not little things, but just, you know, cameramen, where are they going to be? And, and so, uh, the broadcast team, are they going to be remote? Or are they going to be at the location as well? Just things like that. You have no idea. And then plus even the, the aspect of, okay, so say if games are just in Arizona, on the East Coast, those games could be pretty late. And so, I mean, that the, the amount of viewership could, could be interesting too down the road. And so that's kind of an obstacle in, a, in of itself, the big question of what does this mean for television? Because if you're talking about empty ballparks, that's the only, that's going to be the only way people are going to be seeing this, obviously. And so that, that's one thing that comes to mind instantly for me. But just the other idea that you were talking about as far as players and their objections to just being quarantined for that long, it, it won't only be just players. It will be everybody that's involved with this whole thing. And that includes hotel workers, wherever the players are going to be stationed. Um, that includes 
whoever's handling food for them. And we're talking about Arizona, and that's a retirement community, largely, where those ballparks are for spring training sites. And we all know at this point, in following the coronavirus, of who's most susceptible here, and that's elderly people. And so for me, that's a huge question right there is, well, why are we bringing all these people to Arizona where this is a retirement place, and this is where elderly people are populating the state? So that's that's questionable for me. And then, again, just the idea that these are human beings who, yeah, it's important for somebody to take three or four days off to see the the birth of their child. And they're not robots anyway, where even if they're not experiencing a, a, a big sort of life moment like that, a lot of times, I mean, like this season is going to be a grind regardless of if it's not going to be 162 games, of course, but 162 games or 50 games or 75 or 100 that's a grind regardless. There's 50s on the lower spectrum of that, but it's still pretty tough. And so to ask somebody to just, hey, stay quarantined, um, go through your job, everything's normal, there's going to be a breaking point there. Like somebody's going to get kind of tired of that and they're only human beings. And so I don't know how realistic it is to expect 100% cooperation there. And that's not to say these are bad people or they're going to make mistakes or whatever, but I just... I just don't see it. Um, and then a smaller aspect, just from talking with a couple of players, you know, a couple of superstars in, in baseball and other sports, they rely on other people to like handle some things for them at this point in their lives. I mean, like you're a 30 year old five time all star. He's not handling everything on a day to day basis by himself. Like he has people very, very close to him that are, that are handling some some small aspects of his life so that he doesn't have to, and so that he can completely focus on playing baseball. And so under these rules or ideas, that person is going to be eliminated from his life. And I'm not sure if that that player is going to be able to function at, at that high of a level if, if that's not the case. And that's kind of a smaller issue, but just from talking with a couple of players, that was brought up as something that people probably wouldn't otherwise think about or understand but we're talking about people performing at the highest level of this game who need that concentration to be at that point and so if you're taking it away you're going to see the effects of that within the product yeah i mean i think one thing within that that really stands out to me that needs to be repeated is that these are players they are not robots they are not going to go into this sort of quarantine world and be able to perform at the highest level without having some sort of negative impacts. It's going to vary from player to player. I mean, I know Christian Yelich was on, it was one of the radio stations in Boston. I think it was WEEI. And, you know, he kind of alluded to that, like as a single guy, sure. It's, it's different for me than the guys with kids. We see videos. It feels like every day clips from Brewers, Twitter, uh, Corey Knable or Josh Lindblom, you know, reading bedtime stories to their kids. We see uh, broadcaster Jeff Levering constantly doing stuff with his family at home. And I think we all, for those of us who don't travel with a team, who've never been assigned to a beat, who have not played professional ball and, and been away for a season, that describes me and it describes many people listening to the show right now. I think we kind of underestimate the value of being home for four, seven, 10, 14 days at a time in random pockets throughout the year. It's not just that the players are just 
gone all year. And I realize some players live in a different place than Milwaukee in the offseason. And that's where the bulk of their extended family might be. This isn't that. I mean, this is this is a a business trip that would be four plus months long if this original Arizona plan comes through. But I, I think it goes back to something else you said. Troubleshooting is key. I think this is still going to be a negotiation. There's the variable of not knowing when something like this would even be safe to do. And in the interim, figuring out the details, answering a lot of the questions you brought up is still something that is going to have to happen before something like this can be implemented. Now, the same problems exist in Florida in that you have an older population of retirees throughout the state and the risk of their contracting COVID-19 is elevated same way it is in Arizona. So you, you look at that and say, okay, this is the other site that could be used. This at least spreads things out more. I think the Arizona-Florida split from how baseball normally works, like from that perspective, it makes a little bit more sense to me. It would require that realignment, which you know Bob Nightingale had an article that he wrote, I think, for USA Today. And if you just do it based on geography, the Brewers wouldn't face the Reds and the Cubs and the Cardinals and Pirates in division anymore, none of those teams would be in this particular proposal, which put the Brewers in the Cactus League Northwest division with the Rangers and the Royals, the Padres and Mariners. Those are four teams who each share a facility. So Rangers and Royals in Surprise, Padres and Mariners out in Peoria, Brewers, of course, in Maryvale. Something like that, you know, it changes some of the competitive dynamics of the game, which on the list of things you're worried about if you're trying to play any sort of major league season this year is probably near the bottom, right? I mean, if you're, if you're major league baseball, the, the biggest issues to overcome are health and safety. And then the next thing you're worried about is figuring out how to compensate players and, and basically run the business aspect of it. And then from there, you start answering these other sorts of questions. Now, I think the, the Arizona-Florida split to me makes a little more sense because if teams have their own spring training facilities to, to serve as their home parks and their, their home base, if you will, you also have room for teams to carry more players than they have on the major league roster. So you can bring some of your minor league players along. Like it, it lost in all of this is you know what happens with the minor leaguers. We've heard these proposals with expanded rosters because if the schedule is condensed, you need to have more players available to give some players days off and to not overwork guys. Basically, if you take away off days, you have to add more players. That part makes sense. Even if you do that, players are going to get hurt, Will. We, we talked about it. The, the sim does it. Real life does it. Players get hurt. You need to have players ready to be reinforcements. Those players need to be training in order to be reinforcements. And the only way I think you can bring extra players for each team and have them ready to compete is if there's enough room at each spring training facility on the backfields for intra-squad minor league games and even you know combinations of prospects from other organizations playing against each other. like That, to me, continues minor league development and also continues to bring along players as you know, the need arises at the big league level. Yeah, it just goes back to the question, though, of like what's feasible because then all of a sudden we're talking about pretty much a just a smaller version of the spring training, really. And so is is that 
even much of a difference than, than what was going on just a few weeks ago or last month at this point when you're talking about minor leaguers and perhaps maybe intra-squad games or, or something like that, right, to kind of get guys prepared or, or keep them ready, whatever. Um, so it becomes like a question of like what's feasible. Um, you, you would hope that at some point, whether it's four weeks from now, six weeks from now, that things change and things progress, right? That's the optimistic view of all of this is that that's some sort of glimmer of hope will exist and, and proceed and will give us some sort of a blueprint of how, of how to get one of these ideas off the ground. Um, with the Florida situation, that makes sense as far as teams wanting to be at their home base or where they, where they handle spring training at. The problem with that is that from living in Florida and experiencing it, that area is a lot more spread out when it comes to spring training facilities. Like Arizona is a lot more centrally located where everybody is stationed. And so it makes it a lot easier. Uh, Florida, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to navigate where you don't really have like those groups of teams that are kind of stationed within a half hour of one another. It's not exactly like that. There are different parts of the States, different pockets, East, West, uh, some teams are a little bit more south as well. So that becomes a little bit messy. But I think I'm with you with the idea of assuming that safety is the biggest hurdle that gets cleared. I feel like the Florida-Arizona plan is the one that most resembles sort of like what baseball is, where you have the different leagues or different setups. It will just look completely different, of course, like you mentioned with the Brewers being with uh, the Royals, Rangers who who share a facility, and the Padres and Mariners do the same. So, and and that would certainly behoove the Brewers. I don't think they would object too much to that because suddenly they're the cream of the crop of of that division. I would think at least with the Royals being at the bottom and the Padres, Rangers, and Mariners kind of in that same tier. I guess the Padres being the best out of that three, but certainly. Things would certainly change for the Brewers if, if that were to be the case. Um, be certainly very interesting for one year. And as crazy as it sounds, as much as it could even be like a gut punch to baseball traditionalists or purists, you kind of have to erase everything from your mind when you're thinking about how to revisit baseball and, and how to just get the most out of this 2020 season because you kind of have to just remove yourself from what you want or from what you're used to. Yeah, you have to accept the fact that the number of games that are played, maybe even the length of games, it's going to be different. The stats are going to look different. If we're talking about games played mostly in Arizona and Florida, the stats are going to be different. Pitching in Arizona is hard, and I think at some point we're going to talk to some players about this. Uh, ripping the baseball in hot, dry conditions in Arizona is not going to portend having the same spin that you want on your curveballs and your sliders. So your breaking pitches aren't going to move quite the same way and command's not going to be as good. And then when hitters make contact in hot, dry conditions, the ball's going to go further. <laughs> Think about Arizona in the middle of summer when even later in the evening and earlier in the day, if you're playing some, some late morning games maybe to serve as like East Coast matinees, Game time temperatures are going to be 80, 85, 90 degrees regularly. And if you have that over a full season, 
you're probably going to get inflated offensive numbers. And and last year with the lively baseball maybe prepared us for that a little bit. But uh, yeah, at this point, hopefully baseball purists are at least getting to the point where they're accepting that this season, if we have one, will look different. And you know, that's going to be better than not having a season at all. Like the, if those are if those are my only two choices, the season can look really strange. Uh, the other idea, teams playing at home in their major league facilities, in empty stadiums. That seems problematic to me based on the travel. And I realize teams can fly chartered and there's still a good bit of control over the environments with that. But you're still introducing a lot of cross-contamination type variables and exposures as players are going from city to city, right? Like if you're in Arizona or you're isolated in Arizona and Florida and players are riding buses, you're, st- you're doing something that's contained a lot more. But if you're going to combinations of all 30 major league cities, that seems like the most risky of all, at least based on where things are at right now. And of course, that could change. I haven't got the sense that this is where we're headed, but that's what baseball is taking the shape of when you look at what's happened so far in Taiwan, where it's only a five-team league, and they just started their season. The 11 Sports Network on Twitter, I think on YouTube, uh, you can actually watch those games. It's a five-team league in a different country with fewer people. South Korea, which could begin its league, the KBO, the first week of May, May 1st is the day they're targeting, is a 10-team league. And COVID-19 testing is a big part of how things have progressed so far in Korea, where the outbreak happened before it happened in many other parts of the world. Like, It's a glimmer of hope, though. Where If you've watched those games, if you watch any of those uh, intra-squad streams that have been up for a few weeks now from the Korean League, you've seen things. You've seen players wearing face masks uh, while while playing, while training. That's different, but that could be necessary. And seeing empty stadiums and, and seeing actually a few like robots <laughs> put into the stands to uh, to fill seats has been pretty different but I think it comes down to the reality of the travel and I'm just not sure that flying around the country even six to eight weeks from now is necessarily something that teams and players are even going to want to do yeah I feel like that's probably the biggest one of of the plans that you, or the ideas that you mentioned, that's the biggest one that I just feel like isn't, we're not there yet. And I'm not sure when we will be there. And so that's probably the hardest one as far as seeing it come to fruition. What I think baseball should do is sort of like not marry itself to just like one idea right away when it becomes clear that they can move forward in some way, whatever that way is. I think they should allow themselves some flexibility because new information will inevitably come out. Things will happen, hopefully for the better. And so I feel like if you move too fast and and the description of that last plan would, in my opinion, at least be moving too fast. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like you should be able to put yourself in a situation that, okay, that that could be maybe a goal for you. And so by playing some games in Arizona to start um, and maybe progressing toward that, if circumstances allow, if, if like I said, things become more clear for, for the better, then you could proceed toward that route. But I feel like just the, the Arizona, uh, the split plan between Florida and Arizona to me, 
I'm st- I'm still not just in love with it just because we don't have a any sort of recommendation or any sort of um, recovery timeline as a country yet. So it's 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 we're just spitballing here. But in late April, that's probably the one that to me at least probably makes the most sense, um, and that sort of at least gives you um, some sort of a uh, progression to build toward. Um, whether you get that in 2021 or at some point in 2020, I think the flexibility matters because you just don't know where we're going to be a month from now or two months from now, eight weeks, whatever. Yeah, lots of unknowns at this point, but uh, hopefully some ideas, not an answer necessarily to the question of what happens to baseball this season, uh, but what are some things that could happen to baseball this season and as I said, as that uh, topic was addressed, I mean, those are the three most likely scenarios right now based on what we think we know. And there could be totally off the wall other solutions in play that we haven't even heard of yet or haven't even been conceived of yet at this point. Uh, you can find Will on Twitter at Will Salmon. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. You can get a 40% off discount on a subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash 422. If you are not sure about signing up, you can get a 90-day free trial at theathletic.com slash free 90 days. If you've got questions for us that you'd like us to get to on a future episode, be sure to send those our way on Twitter. Uh, we don't know when baseball will come back. We hope it comes back, and we're going to continue doing shows each week here, probably taking more trips down memory lane in the weeks ahead, of course, too. If you enjoy this pod and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any platform that allows you to rate and review it, please take a moment to do that. We would greatly appreciate it. For Will Salmon, I'm Derek Van Riper. Thanks for listening. We're back with you next week from Section 422.